The content of this podcast should not be considered financial or investment advice. All interviews and discussions are opinions only, and the podcast has been created without taking into consideration the listener's financial objectives, financial situation, or needs. Listeners should obtain independent advice before making any financial decisions. G'day, this is Barry Fitzgerald, Garen Power columnist for Stockhead. Welcome to another edition of the Explorers podcast. Today we're delving into the world of uranium, which is on fire. Overnight, the uranium price uh, hit uh, US $63 a pound, which takes the uh, increase in the uh, nuclear fuel to 30% for the year. And if you exclude the little kick the uranium price had when Russia invaded the Ukraine, the uranium price is currently at a 14-year high. So a lot of excitement around the uranium stocks. And we've got a beauty here today, focuses in Namibia and has uh, 40 million pounds under its belt in Australia as well. Just on Namibia, it's got 81 million pounds under its belt. The name is Elevate Uranium. Trades under the ticker EL8, last traded at 55 cents for a market cap of $152 million. And I'll just mention there that that uh, stock quote is up 9% on the day or a $12 million addition to the market cap as the market gets excited about this uranium price and uh, the important role nuclear fuel will provide in the world's decarbonisation efforts with nuclear power obviously a close to zero source of green energy. So with that, I'll introduce Murray Hill. Murray Hill is the MD of Elevate and he's in with us today to give us a feel for what Elevate's plans are in the future. G'day, Nari. Welcome to the podcast. G'day, Barry. Thanks for having me. And uh, it's a pity you couldn't see the smile on my face. You said we're up 9% today and, uh, you know, it's it's a great time to be in Uranium. It certainly is. It's uh, been a long, cold winter, but a lot of things are, are starting to gel. And, um, well, stocks like Elevate. And we only have to look across that uranium sector, you know, Boss Energy and Palladium, you know, they're multi-billion dollar companies now so the the market is getting behind this uh uranium um and nuclear power thematic so let's uh focus on elevate though now nibia is uh the prime area of focus at the moment for the company and i mentioned that you've already got 81 million pounds under your belt in uh, terms of resource the but let's go back a bit because one thing that distinguishes elevate from mo- well nearly all of the other uranium stocks out there is that uh, over the years you've developed a process, uh, an upgrade process that takes low-grade calcrete hosted uranium deposits and um, makes them uh, a viable option. So just give us a feel, if you could, that that journey over the years and how it's brought you to this point. Yeah, that's an interesting journey. Back in um, you know 2012 when I joined the company, we had the Maranek Uranium Project in Namibia, a very low-grade project, needed over 100 bucks a pound to be developed using conventional processes. So we had to innovate or walk away, and we decided to innovate. I joined the company and uh, as a metallurgist, and uh, we formed a technical steering committee and developed this upgrade process. Uh, we then decided we'd better patent it uh, because, you know, the Urano uh, or Reba back then were next to us with Tricopy, uh, and we just were a small company with, uh, with the uh, Maranica assets, so we patented it. Now we've got three patents around the world. And we then sort of over time realised that, um, you know, uranium wasn't going to go south. It was 
it was couldn't go any further south than it was back in 2018 we started to grow a land position in Namibia around our upgrade process and what it could add value to so 2018 we put an application in for the copies project the uranium price was sitting at $18 a pound as you said now it's $63 a pound so we were sort of looking back then thinking well it's got to go north so let's build a portfolio so we built a land portfolio knowing that we picked up if we found calcrete ore we could add value with upgrade and the value we can add with upgrade is well let's go to the process the process is is a beneficiation process uh, that concentrates on rejecting gang minerals um, rather than upgrading uranium which seems a bit ironic but what we do is we look at the the, the properties of the of the minerals present in their associations uh, in the ore and then we reject them based on their physical properties so we're using conventional Either operations you find a gold base metal uh, mineral sands plant, and we've just configured them in an unconventional, innovative manner, which makes it patentable. So, and we we uh, have done some work on the costings, uh, and it's about a fifty percent reduction in capital and a fifty percent reduction in opex or operating costs compared to conventional using this upgrade process. So that was really the catalyst for us to grow the company into what we have t- today. I mean, the largest land position for nuclear fuels in the country, Namibia. Four discoveries in the last four years, and then, as you said, we've got forty-eight million pound of uranium in Australia that we can also add value to. So, uh, looking pretty good. We're not at the point yet, though, are we? That we can say this process will make all calcrete deposits uh, economic. Well, we've done bench scale testing, uh, and we haven't taken it to a pilot plant. You know, back then we had a market cap of five million. You mentioned our market cap before. You know, we we couldn't afford the six million dollars to uh, take it through a pilot plant. So. That's that's one of the next phases uh, we'll go through. Once we uh, work out which project's going to go first um, with a higher uranium price, then we'll we'll uh, go down the path of uh, doing the metallurgical test work on it and then doing a pilot plant to confirm the process works. And just to emphasize, this is a process. We're not talking some whiz-bang black box technology. No, it's it's a process using commonly used unit operations you'd find in lots of different projects around the world so we could get any metallurgist in the world to go and commission it because they all know how these processes work so essentially what gets rid of the calcite does it gets rid of the calcite the quartz the clay um you know the the minerals that cause problems for these sort of ores these calcrete ores because they've got calcite in it uh, can't be leached with acid because it consumes so much acid the costs are inhibitive and then uh some of these are the top 15 percent of these ores are full of sulfate now if you go down the the um the alkali leach route at 92 degrees, they need to do that. Uh, it cons- the sulfate consumes the alkali, so hence the top 15% of the ore body can't be processed. So conventionally, it's, they're difficult ore bodies, uh, and there's only one uh, plant operating in the world, or was operating, the, the Palatine's Langer Heinrich plant, only 25 kilometres from, from copies. That's operating at on the um, alkali process. And as I say, 92 degrees, if we can reject the calcite, then you can come back to an acid leach, and acid leach is at ambient temperature. Uh, and, you don't, and you don't need much acid to, to leach it. So it's the secondary uranium minerals that we're focused on and, and they're very, very easy to leach. So once you can concentrate them, take out the calcite, then it's, it's an easy process after that, easy leach process. You mentioned uh, Langer Heinrich there, uh, Palazin, uh, planning to bring it back into production uh, first quarter of next year. And I'll just note that uh, the company Palazin has a market cap of $2.7 at the moment. So... Yeah, the uranium uh, boom is uh, is upon us. Now, you mentioned uh, Maranica, which is uh, well known, but you've in recent times this copies resource you've been building. Tell us about copies. 
e-copies we uh, had it granted in in uh, 2019 we were drilling within a few months uh, and discovered the copies resource as it is now um, last year we put a resource on it of 20 million pounds in the in the first three years of tenure which is unprecedented in the country and then we realized that hang on the 20 million pound is going to grow and now we've got a strike length of 20 kilometers uh, for the copies project so we're busy drilling that we had one rig on it last July, um, July last year, we put a second rig on it. And then May this year, we put a third rig. Now we're drilling 25 metre deep holes. Our crew go out on a Monday morning, uh, camp on site until Friday afternoon. They drill, each each rig drills five holes per day. And I, I don't know whether you'd interview too many people, Barry, that have um, can say they can drill five holes per day per rig. Um, so, and these each hole's costing us about a thousand Australian dollars. So it's inexpensive drilling, um, and you know. So we walk away. We drive back in, into Swapit Mine on the weekend, and we drilled seventy-five holes. Now, as of July first this year, we had two thousand more holes to drill on copies to get uh, to expand the resource for that twenty kilometres. So there's a lot more drilling to do. Uh, we are intending to put an interim uh, resource update out next month, uh, and then another one in Q1 next year. But we know that you know every time we drill, we find there's little breakouts, uh, and we need to follow those. So those two thousand holes, we know we're going to grow. So next year we'll have a rig continuing on copies probably for the, the entire year, um, drilling away at that. But and the other two rigs will move away from copies and start looking at the other three discoveries we had. And also, we have the largest land produced from nuclear fuels in Namibia. We need to do some more work on those uh, tenements. So we're out uh, with the second and third rig doing that work while we continue on copies, um, expanding that resource. I think the, uh, the uh, maiden resource uh, is, covers copies one and two, and then this intro, uh, this intro maiden that's coming out for uh, copies three. What's this? We're talking about a strata-bound sort of horizon here. Is there a bit of a breakup between K1, K2, and K3, or is it pretty much continuous? So copies one and two are basically inside the Palio Channel. But what we found out that uh, there's mineralisation underneath the Palio Channel and alongside it. So we know that if we drilled a bit deeper, and and most of our holes are at copies two and one are about 12 metres on average depth in the Palio Channel. If we take them down to 25 or more, which we didn't do, we were only chasing Palio Channel previously, uh, we would probably find more uranium underneath. Uh, but what, we'd ex- what we're concentrating on is where we've got uh, mineralization outside the Palio Channel in the sort of northeast southwest directions, uh, and it's it's in weathered basement, but it still occurs as as calcrete essentially as veins in that weathered basement. So the the mineralization is the same. The upgrade process will still work on it, but it sits in it's, these veins of calcrete sit in inside the basement material. And as I say, they're all near surface. I mean, right up the north of Copies Three. We really probably don't even need to drill past 16 metres because the mineralisation is generally less than 11 metres deep. So it's really shallow mineralisation. But yeah, the next resource will be on Copies 3 and then we're looking at Copies 4, which is to the south. And we're calling it two, Copies 2 South as well because that's extending uh, significantly to the south uh, into Copies 4. So yeah, it's 20 kilometres is a, long, a lot of strike to cover uh, when you're drilling at 100 metre by 100 metre grid. So what's the, the strategy? Um, at some point, you must reach critical mass in terms of resource. Do you have a figure in mind? Look, we've always thought that you need at least £30 million to have a standalone operation. Um, now, whether that's changed with inflation and uh, and you know, factors that have affected 
costs over the last five years or not is another thing. But we're looking, we want to see what copies three has, see what copies four has got, work out how big this thing is, and then and then we'll work out what we're going to do. Now, more than likely, we'll head down the, the sort of development production path. Uh, and if we do that, you know, we've got a lot of drilling to do because this is an inferred resource we, or we're going to estimate. And inferred resources, as you know, you can't announce financial metrics on an inferred resource. So we need to go and do indicated drilling, which doubles the number of holes we've got to drill. And then we can announce financial metrics. So what we'll probably do is once we understand the size of it, if it's sufficiently large enough for us to um, to uh, keep going, we'll probably start moving down the path of, uh, of the study phase, which will be you know, metallurgical test work and indicated drilling kicked off and running in parallel. Uh, and then and then once we've got that information, uh, we'll move down the sort of advanced study path and into the development path. So Copies is in the NANIB area, but up north you've got the, the original Marincia. Marinica, yeah. Marinica um, project. So is, is Copies overtaking? Yeah, copy, Copies is a higher grade than Marinica. Um, so, you know, as you know, grade's king. Um, even with upgrade, grade still remains king. Uh, even though we can say so if we can take the Maranica resource from sort of nominal 100 ppm to 5,000 ppm with upgrade prior to leaching and reduce the mass to be leached to less than 2%, um, you know, copies will probably take that grade. I mean, currently 220. Maybe we only take it at 12,000 ppm. We'll see how we go. Uh, there'll be a trade off between, you know, grade and, and recovery of the concentrate. Uh, and getting it down to less than five percent of the mass. So, look, Maranica is certainly on the radar, and we're going to get up there and um, hopefully next year and do some drilling on that to understand whether we can expand that resource. We we like the prospectivity of exploration potential around there, uh, but certainly um, copies at the moment because it's a, it's a bit high grade. Then you know we've focused on that one a bit more. Uh, but you know who knows? We've got Capri here a bit. You know more projects that we've found uranium on that. Uh, maybe they're bigger and better than copies. We'll see what happens over time. And just for context there, uh, some of those um, 8,000, 12,000 parts per million you were talking about, uh, Langer Heinrich uh, inside the $2.7 billion Paladin works off a 415 parts per million uh, resource base. So. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, People uh, try and compare it to you know, high-grade areas of the world like the Athabasca Basin, but you know, Namibia generally between about 100 ppm and 500 ppm. Uh, you know, when you look at which Rossinger been, Rossinger operating now below 400 ppm, uh, they've been operating since 1976 on a continuous basis. So, you know, we can make money in Namibia on um, lower grade uh, projects and, you know, the Athabasca Basin, for instance. So it's not, so when we start talking, you know, a couple hundred ppm, it's, it's not uncommon for Namibia. So that's, I suppose, the point I'm trying to make there. And Namibia, the country, is, I think, the fourth biggest uranium producer in the world? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And obviously uh, growing. Um, you just uh, tickled my interest there, Rossing. Uh, was former Rio Tinto mine, or was Rio still involved? No, Rio Tinto sold their 69% interest to the Chinese uh, a couple of years ago. Namibia got a bit of press uh, via Bloomberg, essentially, earlier this year about government thinking about with new projects uh, whether they would be taking a, a mandated interest etc etc what is it like to operate in Namibia and what was that kerfuffle about? Namibia is a great place to operate I love it uh, we took the family there in 2011 for a holiday the kids were 9 and 10 uh, we did a self-drive absolutely had a ball 
Uh, we've got uh, a team of sort of eight people there at the moment, uh, four geologists. They're great people, great personalities. Um, it's a good place to operate, really, essentially. Uh, really enjoy it. And the uh, minister was taken out of context a little bit. He was trying to say, because what, what generally happens in Namibia is that once you, expiration, you don't need to have any local ownership or a BE, black empowerment, as they call it. Uh, and then once you get a project, the government says, okay, well, now we'll introduce BEE. That's always been the case. But the argument's always been is, who is the BEE partner? Because you want to empower someone. If it's a rich uh, black Namibian, well, you're not empowering him. He's already empowered. So what he was trying to say, the state should take the ownership to empower the people instead of empowering an, an individual. So it was sort of taken. He, he didn't explain it very well, uh, and the clarification was put out the very next day. Uh, but it was essentially that. So it's always been an argument, who do you empower and how do you empower them? So, Because um, not every kid in Namibia has has the ability to go to school. They don't have enough schooling positions for every, every child. So you know, that's an area that you know we could be looking at in the future to work on, you know, education system and trying to help uh, kids be educated. And one of the uh, interesting things about the industry, uh, well, this this cowpede hosted the uranium deposits tend to occur in super arid areas, and Namibia is certainly one of those. Uh, green trees and rivers don't really mix with any form of mining, let alone uranium mining. So, yeah, if you see the last page of our presentation, uh, Barry, it's got a photo in there of the desert. That's the Copies Project. Uh, there's not a tree to be seen. Uh, so, clearing vegetation is not an issue for us. So, hence, you know. Drilling, you, you drill, you plan and grid pattern. You know you're going to be able to drill in the location because there's no obstacle. But yeah, you see the odd bit of wildlife walk through on the way to a waterhole. Uh, but yeah, it's generally, and you don't get very much rain. I mean, we we drill for 11 months of the year. They take a month off over Christmas, uh, New Year, as we do in Australia. Take essentially take that month off. But you know, there's nothing. Well, the only thing that does stop us is an east wind. Uh, when you get the the hot east winds blowing across the desert towards the cold Atlantic Ocean. Uh, it picks up a lot of dust uh, and, you know, we lose generally about a, a week, maybe two a year uh, with those with those easterly winds because visibility is very, very low. So we don't we don't want to put our people out on the road, let alone um, sitting around the jewellery uh, when it's like that. But, yeah, it's, it, is, um, it is an easy place to drill and, and, as you say, it's no greenery out where we're drilling. No waterways to worry about. All right, so let's bring it all together and give investors a feel for... Um what they should be looking out for in the next uh, six to 12 months. The very first thing we talked about was the uranium price and nuclear uh, sentiment. That's something we can't control, but gee, isn't that looking pretty strong? You know, decarbonisation, electrification, all going to require, require carbon-free energy, which which nuclear is and uranium is the feedstock for. And what we can control is our exploration efforts, uh, you know, four discoveries in the last four years in Namibia, an expanding resource uh, at copies, uh, looking to look, you know, follow up other discoveries and other tenements we've been, uh, you know, we've got we've acquired. So we've got a lot more exploration do a lot of uh, a lot of um, news flow coming into those, and we haven't haven't even touched on Australia. I mean, it's forty eight million pounds in Australia. You know, we've got some great projects here. Uh, we've been doing geotech geochem work, uh, understanding if we can expand the resources. You know, the Minerva project, for instance, hasn't been drilled on for forty five or fifty years. Right, we don't really understand the geology, but it's got intercepts in a dozen holes that are greater than 10,000 ppm. You know, So huge grades there that we need to understand. So we've been doing a geochem geotech to follow that up, the Angela deposit as well, 31 million pound in that at 1,300 ppm. You know, we, we think there's potential 
uh, to find some uranium addition to that resource. So we'll be looking at uh, you know doing some some work on those next year, um, and uh, of course they're a little bit more seasonal with their drilling and also um, uh, a few more approvals than than the Namibian uh, system, but certainly some news flow out of there as well. Just so listeners know that uh, those Australian projects spread across uh, Northern Territory and WA. How you offer cash to uh, keep up this cracking pace? Uh, we got ten million in the bank as of the end of June. Oh, nice! Uh, and we're spending six hundred thousand a month. I mean, really? it's inex- inexpensive exploration. So, yeah, we've got enough money to keep us going for a period of time, which is great. Great position to be in. Yeah, absolutely. righty. Well, Murray, thanks for the the rundown on the company. Exciting times for you. Um, I was aware of the company uh, many years ago, so it's good to see that strategy with the uh, the upgrade process coming to fruition and being able to get your footprint on uh, large calcrete uh, deposits and all in a rising uranium market. So good luck with it all. We'll be watching with interest. Thanks, mate. Yes, but you had to be a believer to hang with it the last sort of 12 years, but, um, you know, we're really starting to reap the rewards now with, uh, say, the nuclear and uranium price looking pretty bloody good. So very, very exciting. But it's a it's a good road coming, good good journey coming. Excellent stuff. All right, thanks, Murray. Good on you. See ya.